and welcome again to you this morning. I see some guests in the room today. Welcome to you. We're glad you're here. If this is your first time as uh, Christopher, I'm, I'm going to get Christopher and Christian mixed up here, but as Christopher said, didn't he do a good job with announcements this morning? How many of you think he should have the job every week? We'll just go ahead and vote him in. By the way, Christopher and Selena have been called into ministry, and he's training now, so pray for them and encourage them, and we're excited that God is working in his life in this way, so thank you, brother, for sharing this morning. It's the first day of spring, or is it the last day of winter, or is it both? I'm not sure which, but you know what happens in the spring? The, the snowbirds come home. So Rod and Tina, our snowbirds, are back. They, they flew in last night, and we are so thankful that Eddie is with us this morning. It's good to see you back. Thank you very much. So all kinds of things to celebrate this morning, and Sunday should be a day of celebration for God's people, shouldn't it? We're going we're gonna to try to increasingly make it that way. We're, uh, we're realizing that this is a refuge for us from the world, right? You can come here, you can leave all the bad news behind, all the difficulties in the world, and we can come to the Word and we can come together and worship and in fellowship and we can kind of uh, take, a, take a refuge from the world. So we're glad that you're here to join us this morning. I'm in a series in the book of Joshua, and it's called Navigating Life's Twists and Turns. Uh, transitions. Any, we've, I've already asked some of you, maybe you're new this morning, is your life in transition? You may not think it is, but it probably is in some way. And some of you are very aware that your life is in transition, and really we all are. You know, this, this, is, this world is temporary. Do we need to be reminded of that? This is not our home. We're just passing through. And as we pass through, we want to encourage one another, and we want to encourage others to come to know the Lord, and we want to make uh, investments in this life that will come back in heaven as we enjoy what we've laid up there. So we need to be reminded of that, and you don't have to take too much of a look around the world that you're glad you're just here for a while, do you? You know, we're passing through, and thankfully, but we want to leave an impact. Most of you have heard me talk about my mom living on a farm over in Floyd. Now, I don't live in Floyd. Y'all just think I do, and I just sometimes wish I did, okay? So I've had to straighten. We live in Radford, so we're closer by. But on Mondays, my day off, I often go over and help my mom do some things. She has been a widow for 12 years. It's hard to keep up two places. Can anybody relate to that? But it's okay because my mother did a lot of things for me when I couldn't do them for myself. Did you know your mother did that for you? Do I need to give you details? You know, up to about five years old, there were a lot of things you could not do for yourself that your mom did for you. And so I keep that in perspective as I clean gutters and clean chimneys and take care of projects and so I go over to see my mom, and now you, you wonder what goes on in the life of a pastor. About the same thing that goes on in your life. How many of you are in between taking care of kids and taking care of your parents? Raise your hand. All right. Several of you can relate. Allison's folks are in their 80s. They, near 80, they live, over, they live two and a half hours away. My mom is closer. But uh, I go, and there, there are medical bills on the table. Does anybody understand Medicare and uh, supplements? Now, if you do, come and tell me so I can help her, because, you know, it's confusing, but it's okay. But in the winter, my mom is an outdoor person like me, so she endures the winter, and she finds projects, and she's independent. She does very well. She's 86, and she does crossword. She does... Uh, all kinds of things around the house. She's, uh, she's a good housekeeper. She's not a hoarder, but she's been in her house for 70 years. So there are a lot of memories there. And when I go in in the winter, she has a, usually the table full of pictures from the past. She got, 
if you stacked them on the table, there would be books and books of them. And usually she wants to show me something, and, uh, you know, I'm, I told you I'm task-oriented. I'm, you know, I've got to fix the commode today. I've got to clean the sink, whatever, the gutters. But every once in a while she can slow me down. Now, I'm telling on myself here. I'm giving you details about me. Sometimes I'm too busy. If you have a living parent or grandparent, you better go see them while you have time. Don't be too busy. There'll be a day you wish you could. But last Monday, she had these pictures. And she said, look at this. And I was like, okay, you know, if, if she holds them, it takes 15 minutes to go through each one. So I take them and I flip through them. And I was instantly convicted because she showed me something that I needed to be reminded of. Now this picture is very blurry, and I'll hopefully get a better one for you. But can you tell what's in the picture? Four little boys in a creek at a baptism. The first one in line is me. I was about 11 years old. We had an evangelist that came to our church for a week. Big, tall, scary man. Yelled and screamed and kicked the pulpit. He, he was wild, but he got my attention. And several others. Four boys were saved that week. And one of them is me. I'm the first one in line for baptism. I think the others pushed me up there. You know, it wasn't because I was the most adventurous. The second one in line, the second two in line are two brothers. The second one was my best friend, Danny Wade. He was killed in a logging accident 20 years ago. They asked me to speak at his memorial service, and it was tough. It was like preaching my brother's funeral. But I was able to stand and say, I remember the night that Danny and I were saved. And I remember the day that we were baptized together. And I know I was able to say to his children, who were young at the time, I know your daddy's in heaven. And you can know that too. Because he trusted the same Savior that I did at the same time. That's his other brother, next who is still a good friend of mine. That's Dale. That's my cousin at the end. Now, what this picture doesn't show you is that there are about 30 people being baptized on this day. It was amazing. And I had forgotten. If you could expand the picture, you'd see cars parked. I mean, this was a great occasion. There were probably a hundred and some people at this event, and it was an event, and it was a testimony of what God had done in our community. That week, or maybe two, I don't remember how long it lasted. Sometimes it'd go two or three weeks. And I don't have this. I wish I did. Maybe I'll get it just so I can show it to you later. My mom showed me another picture. It was an attractive lady in her 30s being baptized. I looked at it. I said, Mom, that's you. She said, that's right. I said, I had no idea we were baptized on the same day. I'd forgotten that. And so, I almost missed it, because I was too busy. You know, I, was, I had other things to do, I had other things on my mind, and, if, and, and she often tells me this, and, and she often, she's right, there will be a day when you'll want to know about this, and I won't be here to tell you. So, with that in mind, I'm going somewhere with this, okay? Not just a sentimental story. It's testimony. That was a milestone in my life. The baptism was a testimony of what had happened in my heart weeks before. When I came forward at the end of that service and said, I need to be saved. I'm a sinner. I was 11 years old, but I knew I was a sinner. And that preacher made sure I knew I was a sinner. He was rough, but he was right. 
And so we had a lot of people saved in that revival service. I've only seen that about twice in my life. I'd like to see it again. We were at a church in Kernersville, North Carolina, and there was a revival, and there were 60 people saved that week. That hasn't been too long ago, about 20 years ago. So you get to see these things, and by the way, ladies, I'm hoping this is what God brings to Trinity next weekend. There, last time I looked, there were over 60 women signed up for this conference, and I hope that a spirit of revival sweeps through here as you meet to pray and to seek God. And I believe God wants to send it. The question is, are we too busy for it? Do we, we, we seek it? Do we want it? Do we want to see God work? Well, I hope we do. Milestones. We have milestones in life. Remember when you got your driver's license? Remember you thought you'd never get your driver's license? You got your driver's license and you had freedom. And uh, gas was a lot cheaper than it is now, so you could travel a long way on $10. That day's over, but hopefully it'll get better. Remember your first date? Remember when you met your wife or your husband or your, your spouse that you, uh, you look way back? You remember that milestone? Um, remember the birth of your first child? Your other children, if you have more? Wonderful memories and milestones. And we quickly forget them, don't we? You know, I had forgotten this. Now, I remembered it, but I, when I saw the picture, I was like, wow, I, I needed to be reminded because it took me back to a time in my life when God did something miraculous. He saved me. He changed me forever. And it's a, it's a wonderful milestone, and it's wonderful to be remembered. So today, the message is milestones. I guess you guessed that. And I'm in Joshua chapter 4, and I'm going to uh, read this morning. You follow along if you would like in your Bible. If not, you can follow on the screen, and let's read God's Word together. If you weren't here last week, we've crossed the Jordan River. And this is a critical, critical story in the life of the nation of Israel. It came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe, and Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the, the children of Israel did so just as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan as uh, the Lord had uh, spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up the twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan. Uh, let, let, me, let me start again. This is a different memorial. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. I like that little phrase, don't you? They're there to this day. So the priests who bore the Ark stood in 
uh, the midst of Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people hurried and crossed over. Then it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people, and the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed. We'll revisit that. They were armed before the children of Israel as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. And on that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass when the priests who had bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry ground, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. There was no retreat. They couldn't go back. Now, the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month. They camped in Gilgal across the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua, this is the second memorial, set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel saying, this is worth repeating because God repeated it. When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over the Jordan on dry land, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until... Uh, before you and let me back up. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea. There's another remember, remembrance, reminder, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Now that's a lot of reading. I read that whole chapter because I want you to follow the story. But don't worry, I'm not going to parse every verse this morning, okay? But I have a message that I needed to hear and that I hope you need to hear this morning. The message is this. Milestones. Milestones in our lives. Um... We read the story of the crossing, and this kind of summarized the crossing of the Jordan again. I talked about the significance of the Ark of the Covenant. You remember that? The Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of God going before the people. They weren't to get too close to the Ark because it represented the holiness of God. What happened if you touched the Ark? One man found out the hard way when it began to fall in another story, and he was instantly killed because it represented the holiness of God. So the ark was a symbol of the presence of God before the people. And as it went forward, they were to follow it, but they weren't to get too close. And if you remember last week, I challenged us, and I'll challenge us again as a church. We don't want to get ahead of God, but we sure don't want to get too far behind Him either. You know, sometimes God moves on, and we don't even know it. So, in, in, in our application, we, we want to know where God wants us to go. He's going before us, and we want to follow Him. We don't want to get ahead of Him. Don't get ahead of Him in your life, but don't, don't ever get too far behind Him either till you lose sight of who He is and what He's doing in your life. So there are two memorials that we're going to look at this morning. As soon as they crossed the Jordan, Joshua commanded a man from every tribe to build a memorial. In fact, he said, you pick up a stone from the riverbed, 12 of you, and you carry it with you. Now, 
I don't know how large these stones were, but if you've ever carried a stone before on your shoulder, you know it doesn't take a very big one to be a load. Now I'm going to tell you a Floyd County story. There's a legend of a man in Floyd whose name was Cobra Houchins. Feed came in 200-pound bags, and he, he was a giant of a man. And someone said, I bet you can't carry this bag of feed six miles to town. He put it on his back and carried it six miles. He got to town, and the same guy said, I bet you can't carry it home again. He turned around and carried the same 200 pounds back home again. Now, that, that's a legend. I wasn't there. I don't know if it happened, but he was quite a man. If it did, these were men. They picked up a stone and carried it about eight miles that day. About the distance that they could travel in a day. And they did what uh, Moses, uh, I'm sorry, Joshua now, Moses is gone. Joshua said they carried that, those 12 stones to where they lodged that night and they built a memorial. But that wasn't the only memorial they built. God said to Joshua, you build a memorial in the river. You take stones and you build a memorial in the... So he did. He took 12 stones and he built a memorial there of the very place where the priest's feet stepped out of that riverbed onto dry ground. Why did God command him to do that? Francis Schaeffer... You may have heard of Francis Schaeffer. If you haven't, you need to. A great theologian from the past who was way ahead of himself. The things he wrote about and the things that he said are so true about the West and what's happened in America. But he told a story about something in a river where he grew up. He said, in a river where I grew up, there was a large rock. And he said, inscribed on that rock were these words. When you read these words, weep. Because if you could read those words, it was a bad time in, in the neighborhood because there was a drought. And at some time in the past, when the waters were low, someone had taken the time to inscribe on that rock when you read these words, weep, because things are hard, you know. It's a dry time, and for people in a, a farming community, that's a hard time. And, and yet, uh, somebody had taken the time to, to now, that's, that's a negative memorial. You know, when you read this, weep, this was a rejoicing memorial, because... When you saw these stones in the middle of the Jordan when the river got low, you could say, look at those stones. They're still there. Don't know how long they stayed there. Don't know any of the details, but I believe the story, and I believe that they were there, and I believe that God told Joshua to do this for a reason. So he set up those 12 stones. Then he went to Gilgal where they spent the night, and he set up another memorial of stones. Now, here's my mind working as a, as a father and thinking of my ancestors in the past and stories they told me that I still remember to this day. Can't you imagine little boys going to the Jordan and saying, Hey, Dad, what, what are those 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan? Or they're fishing with their grandpa. What do those, those stones mean in the middle of the Jordan? And they could say, oh, let me tell you a great story. Now, by the way, guys, I know your, your dads and your grandpas tell stories over and over and over, right? And you get tired of them. You say, I've heard this story a dozen times. Let them tell the story. You need to hear it again. In fact, it takes... Six or seven times before you remember the story so that you can tell it accurately. That's how history was passed down in the Jewish community. They told these stories over and over and over again. So they would go to the Jordan. They'd say, when the water was low, they'd say, look at those 12 stones. Let me tell you what happened here. 
That reminds me of when my grandfather told the story of the crossing of the Jordan River. He was there that day. Or one generation could say, I was there that day. I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. Here's what happened. The river was at flood stage and God stopped the waters and we crossed on dry ground and after the, we crossed, the, the river went back to its original... I saw it with my own eyes. My dad told me the story. If you look at two particular verses here, uh, verse 6 I believe it is, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? These memorials, these milestones were designed to make children ask questions. Good questions. The other memorial, the same words. What do these stones mean? Now, milestones. Uh, the crossing of the River of Jordan was a great milestone, wouldn't you agree? What other miracle did it remind them of? The crossing of the Red Sea. They could say, not only did God part the waters of the Jordan, God parted the waters of the sea and delivered us out of Egypt under Moses. And then when Joshua was our leader, we crossed over the Jordan. Those were miraculous days in the life of a nation. And those stories needed to be told over and over and over again so the next generation didn't forget. Because we forget too quickly. Milestones. Now let me, let me make an application here. We have spiritual milestones. I just showed you one in my life. Do you have some? I hope you do. If not, I hope today or very soon you can say, I remember the day that I came to Christ. I remember the day my life was changed. And I remember exactly where I was and when it happened. All of us can't remember the time and the date and all that. Don't get too hung up on that. But you remember what happened and you remember some of the details of the day that that you were saved. Milestones. Okay, what do they do? Milestones remind us of God's faithfulness in the past. Sometimes Allison and I sit down and talk about God's blessings of the past. The people that we've known, the people that we've loved in ministry, the things we've seen God do, the lives we've seen changed. And we're just amazed. We're just amazed that we could be a part of it. And a few weeks ago, we had a milestone. We went back to a church down in North Carolina where I pastored over 20 years ago to a memorial service. And we remembered a lady's life. Her name was Bette Buckner. She was the most gracious woman you've ever met. And when we were, uh, we met, we first, she was part of our church when I was pastoring there, but we first met her a few years earlier when I was working at Piedmont, filling in as an interim pastor. We would drive to Eden, North Carolina, about an hour. We would spend the day, spend the afternoon at Miss Bette's house, she would feed us. She would uh, make sure we had everything we needed. And then I'd preach on Sunday night and drive back to Winston-Salem. And we talk about those days. We'd just been married. We were both in grad school. We had no money. We didn't have any credit cards. Thank the Lord. We had no credit card. We would scrape change together to put in the gas tank to get to school and back from Winston-Salem to Greensboro. Well, that sounds like a dad story, doesn't it? It's true. God, you, it's amazing how God provided for us. We look back, we say, he used that extra ministry on the weekend. They would give me something to go up and fill in to pay us our way through grad school. It seems like God always gave me an extra job to meet. I was working at a Bible college making less than $20,000 a year. Both of us going to grad school. Newly married, you know, we were doing probably all the things you shouldn't do when you first get married. The interim pastor, preaching on the weekends. But it was a wonderful time. I'd go up on Wednesday night and back. And, and uh, it was so great that we ended up staying a year and a half. You know, we went there to help them find a pastor. 
and we eventually did, but what God did in our lives and in that church in the meantime was just amazing. Now, I tell you that to tell you this. We went back for this memorial service, told about Miss Bett and how she had impacted our lives, and then we were invited by her daughter to their home. It had been 20 years. We picked up like it was yesterday. Do you know people like that? You, you were friends in the past, you haven't seen them in years, but you get together and it's just like it was yesterday. It was a Saturday night and we stayed way too long. But it was wonderful. It was, it was a milestone in our life, a time we looked back at a time of God's great blessing and how we were uh, going to be a blessing to other people. And guess what happened? They were a blessing to us. That's the way it is when you serve God. That was a milestone. Now, we have spiritual milestones in our lives, or we should. It's not that God hasn't done great things for us. It's that we haven't taken time to remember what he's done, or we have forgotten the details of what he has done. Three years ago, as a church, we took time at the 50th anniversary to look back and remember the great things that God has done. That's what milestones do. They remind you of God's blessing in the past. But you cannot live in the past. You cannot live in the past. You cannot live in the past. Did y'all get that? You know, sometimes people live in the past. They can't get to the present and they don't want to go to the future. I'm sure Joshua heard, heard, heard all these stories of what Moses did. And Moses was a great leader, wasn't he? Moses was a, a, a man of God. But Moses was gone. Moses had passed on. Joshua, don't ever say to a Joshua, there won't ever be anybody like Moses. Well, there won't, because there's only one Moses. But now Joshua's the leader that God has his hand upon. So, looking back is good, but you can't live there. You can't say it'll never be like it used to be or it'll never be as good as it once was because milestones also remind us that God is here in the present. The same God who worked in the past is here right now. The same God who has miraculously worked in our country in revival and in turning a nation around that was headed in the right is still our God now. Do you believe that? He hasn't changed one. We've changed. We don't know who He is and what He can do. And when we look back, we see who He is. We look at the Old Testament so rich with these miraculous stories of who God is and what He's done. But, they also remind us that he's still here and he's still present and he's still working and he wants to work today, even in the culture that we live in. You think God doesn't know how to work and how to change hearts when we feel like nobody wants to hear the gospel? Well, there are plenty of people that want to hear the gospel and need to hear the gospel. We're just going to find out how God wants us to reach them. And that requires... C-H-A-N-G-E, change. We're not living in 1950 or 1980 or 1990. And like John said that I wish we were, but we're not. Because I liked it then. I look back. The first memorial was in the river. The second memorial was at Gilgal. Let me tell you about Gilgal. That was an important place. Gilgal was the base that the army would travel out into the valley, have a military victory. They would come back to Gilgal to celebrate. There were a lot of important things that happened at Gilgal. You know the story of Achan. John touched on that a while back when they sinned and they were defeated because of sin the army lost. They came back to Gilgal to repent and to say to God, God, we'll never disobey you again. We want to go for it. And God forgave. And they left out again on their next military adventure. And they 
God's power was restored. It was a place of repentance. The first king of Israel was crowned at Gilgal. David returned back to Gilgal after Absalom's rebellion. Remember his son Absalom who rebelled against him? Embarrassed him to death, but worse than that, he hated his father. And after God delivered David, he went back to Gilgal. It was a place of refreshing and of regrouping and, and kind of uh, the place that he came back to, to, uh, to reconnect with God. Let me ask you something. Do you have a Gilgal? You have a place where you go to meet with God? Sometimes I go to a little church over on the Floyd Patrick County line called Tuggles Gap Baptist Church. It's where I was saved. Occasionally I get to go back and preach. And when I do, I'm flooded with memories of what God did in my life. Sometimes I just go there and sit. Sit in the pew. And... Every major decision I've had to make, I would go back to that place. Because it's the place I met God. It's a place where I learned to walk with God. It's a place where God called me to ministry. It's my Gilgal. If I need encouragement, if I go through a hard time, I go back to that. Do you have a place like that? You know, that's, that's what God's church is for. You go back and you remember if you don't have a place like that. And maybe you do. You can come here. You can say, you know, this is a place that, that God meets with. Now God will meet with you anywhere. And, and maybe you have a special place that, that you like to go and meet with God. That was Gilgal for the children of Israel. And when they went there, it reminded them of God's blessing in the past. But it also encouraged them to recognize God's blessing in the present. That is so important. You know, God's not through working in your life. You remember a time when God just grabbed you and changed you and He turned your life upside down and uh, you went from being a sinner to being saved and God changed your life I hope you remember that. If you don't, maybe, you know, sometimes you're saved when you're young and you need to go back and revisit that and say, now, now what happened? What did I believe? It's not the event. It's, it's what God did in my heart and, and what I believe about Him and who He is and who Christ is. We need to go back and revisit that so that we can have God's power in the present. Because the same God who saved us is the same God who is with us now. And so we go back to those places to revisit uh, what God has done, to be re, re, uh, refreshed and to kind of regroup. It's good to do that every once in a while. But those memorials, those Gilgals, those milestones are not just for us. They're for the next generation. Now think about this. Here we are going into the, the children of Israel, going into the promised land. In a few months, and a few years, what do people do? They forget. Remember, remember huge events in your life? Probably some people here who remember December 7th, 1941. Or September 1st, 2001. September 11th, sorry. One, 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 right? September. Then there's a whole generation who has no clue what happened on those dates. Whose responsibility is it to teach them? It is the older generation. It is for us to go back and revisit those things. And that's what these memorials were designed for. When the children saw these memorials, they would ask this question. Hey, Daddy, what, what's this mean? What happened here? Hey, Grandpa, what does this mean? What happened here? And it was a means to tell God's story in the lives of the people so that the next generation would believe and the next generation would believe and the next generation... And whose responsibility was it to tell that story? Well, it's the preacher's responsibility, right? Yes, we do our best. 
But we're not in it alone. It's your responsibility to tell your children and your grandchildren. And by the way, grandpas, don't, don't pass the opportunity when your children are small because they'll remember every word you said. But you've got to start young. You can't wait till they get to be a teenager and they know it all and they don't want to hear your stories anymore. Now, get, teenagers, don't, don't be a know-it-all. I told you that before. Listen to those stories and let them tell them. But it's up to fathers and grandfathers and mothers and grandmothers to tell the story of their faith so that the next generation wants to believe and know the God that they know. Let me tell you something, church. We are one generation away from unbelief. Look around. I have people all the time that say, would you pray for my son or daughter? They don't know God. They're away from God. And I said, sure I will. And by the way, you can, you can do everything right and you have no control over your children at some point. But while they are young, tell these stories. Give them your testimony. Tell them who God is. Tell them what God has done. Go back and read these stories about God and while, while they're willing to listen and hear, you've got to start young and you've got to tell them when they want to hear. And then you pray they won't forget and you tell them again and you tell them again and you tell them again. Because milestones help us recognize that God is working in the present. We want him to work in it. We want him to work in this generation, right now. And the same God who miraculously dried up the Red Sea and the Jordan River is still meeting with us here today. He hasn't changed one bit. But boy, we have. We forget who he is. So they would tell the story. In Gilgal, what are these 12 stones? Those 12 stones came out of the river. What river? Oh, the River Jordan. It's eight miles away. Well, what happened? Well, let's go to the Jordan. And I, so, see, these were opportunities to, to remind the parents and the grandparents to tell the story to the next generation. That's what milestones do. They give us opportunities. But they also reveal to us the promise of God's blessing in the future. Now let me say something to the younger people here at Trinity. This is your church. This is your church as much as it's anybody else's church. As a matter of fact, in a few years, I won't be standing behind the pulpit... Somewhere down the road, John won't be standing. There'll be another preacher standing behind this pulpit. There'll be another administrative person making the decisions, leading this. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be you? That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to, to serve and to write. And don't ever think that you'll never have an opportunity to do that because if you're faithful and you want to serve God, He'll make an opportunity. I hope... The next generation does much better than we have done in a lot of ways. You know, my generation's failed in a lot of ways. And, and we admit that. You know, there was a time when preaching was about things that nobody wanted to know about. You know, no, never answered the real questions of the day. It was, it, was, it was just noise and it was just somebody up telling a story that we couldn't relate to. We want you to relate to the Word of God. We want you to relate the Word of God to your life. We want you to see that God knows you and He has a plan for you and He cares about you and He wants to use you and He wants you to walk with Him. And I hope that the future of Trinity is much brighter than the past. Not that the past hasn't been good, but you cannot live in the past. We want the young people of Trinity to rise up and serve and to feel like this is my place of service to my God. And some of the things that we are doing and laying a foundation for is really for the future. It's for now. But it's for the future. We're looking ahead to the next generation of Christ 
Doesn't we hope that this church continue and that it blossoms in the future even if we're not here? That's what milestones do for us. They're, they help us to look back. But you can't live there. They help us to know in the present God's working and to ask what's he doing? What does he want to do? What are we stopping him from doing? What are we not willing to do? What, what does God want us to do as a church? What does He want me to do as a believer? What does He want me to do to serve Him? He's, he's here. He's present. He's working. He's, he lives in me. He's in this place. And we hope that the future is the best time of the ministry of Trinity Community Church. Milestones. Do you have any? not, you need to go back to Gilgal. Do you have a Gilgal? If you don't, find one. A place where you meet with God and you remember what He's done in your life and who He is. I grew up with old contemporary music. See if you recognize any of these names. Steve Green. Anybody ever heard of Steve Green? Two people, okay. Sandy Patty. Anybody heard of Sandy Patty? Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant, Rich Mullins, Fernando Ortego. Anybody ever heard of Fernando? Great, great singer. Steve Green wrote this song, and we heard it recently. We're pilgrims on the journey of a narrow road, and those who've gone before us line the way, cheering on the faithful, encouraging the weary, their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace. I'll read the chorus in a minute. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. Aren't those great words? Oh, may all who come behind... Do y'all know the chorus? Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. I'm not going to sing a solo, but if you'll sing with, with me. <laughs> may the light of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe. What's the rest? <laughs> and the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us what? Faithful. There's another verse. The heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. After all our hopes, and listen to this. After all our hopes and dreams have come and gone, and our children sift through all we've left behind, that day's coming. May the clues that they discover and the memories they uncover become the light that leads them to the road we must, we each must find. Does your life lead others to be faithful to God? Does, does your story, do you tell your story? Do you know your story? Can you share your story? If you can't, you need to learn to do it and, and share it with those around you, especially those who are in your family. Are they going to see who God is? And are they going to want to know this God? Are they going to want to serve this God? It's up, it's up to you and me to share who God is. May all who come behind us find us faithful. Would you bow with me this morning? Father, we're all on a journey. It's a twisted, sometimes difficult, sometimes uphill, but not always. Sometimes it's downhill. And sometimes those are the most dangerous times because when, we go, when we're going downhill, we get to going so fast that we can leave you behind and forget who you are. 
So the difficulties of life sometimes bring us back to Gilgal. They bring us back to the times we remembered that we needed God the most and He was the nearest. And they bring us back these milestones to times when uh, we recognize that we were sinners and that we needed God and that you were holy and we learned about the gospel and about Jesus and about the cross. And now we look back, even soon we'll look back some 2,000 plus years to that time, that wonderful, the milestone of all milestones when Jesus took our place on the cross and was buried and rose again the third day. Wow. What a reminder. We need that reminder every day of who we are. And we thank you of experiences that we've had in life. And we thank you of miraculous things that we have seen you do and that we've heard that you have done for others. But let us not forget to share them on a daily basis with those around us. Those we love, those we know, and those we don't know. Because that's what you left us here to do. You could have taken us to heaven the day that we were saved, but you have left us to be a testimony to you and to share with others the next generation the wondrous works of our God and who you are and what you have done and what you're doing and what you want to do. And we want to be faithful. Don't let us get so caught up in this temporary world that we miss what you're doing and who you are. And we all are there. We're all there. Last few years, we've thought about no one but ourselves. And it's time we start thinking about others and people around us as a church. We need your guidance. We're on a path we've never been on before. But we know who's going before us. And Lord, we want to follow you. We don't want to get ahead of you, but we don't want to get too far behind you either. And find out that you've left us and we didn't even know it. So work in our lives. If there's someone here today or someone listening online who is thinking, you know, I don't have a place to go back to where I came to Christ. Or a time or uh, an, uh, a remembrance of what happened that day. I hope that they'll ask questions and that today maybe they can say, I need to know about this gospel that you're talking about and about Jesus and who he is and what he did and your life, and I want him to do that in mine, and we know that you will. So I pray for them today, if they're listening online or here in the building, that this might be the day that they would look back and say, that's the day I came to know God through his son Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for reminders. Now don't let us just be sentimental and say, yeah, that was a great thing. Motivate us to trust you more. Build our faith. Push us forward that we might look back and say, remember when God did a wonderful thing at Trinity. Remember when God did a wonderful thing in Christiansburg. Even in a bad time, a time we thought was the worst ever, God came down and did a miraculous work. We know that you can. We hope and pray that you will. We believe you will. And we give you praise today. In Jesus' name, amen.